We're going to be continuing our series this morning on Let's Eat, looking at stories in the Bible where Jesus is at the table with people. And we're going to look at two stories this morning. But before we get into that, I just want to make sure we will be taking communion uh, later. So if you didn't get a, a communion cup, you can you can get those in the back, um, get all situated on that. If you're watching online, make sure you have some bread and juice and get, uh, ready for that as well. And uh, so let's let's dive in this morning. Let's Can we pray a little bit uh, before we get started with this? I'm, I'm feeling... I got a lot of energy. I need to just slow down. Man. Father, thank you so much. God, you are, you are a good God. Thank you for bringing that back to remembrance, I think, for many of us this morning. As we sing these songs, sometimes it even takes a few times to say, oh, yeah, <laughs> you are a good God. And whatever I'm walking through, you are a good God, and you are great. God, thank you for giving us air to breathe that we can give back to you. And we do that now, Father. We do as we look in your word. Father, I pray that this would not just resonate with us and we wouldn't just nod in agreement and say maybe even amen at certain points. But God, we would take this and that we would apply it in our lives as soon as we leave here, Lord. That we would plant this in our hearts, God. The words that you have to say to all of us this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak through me and that you would shut my mouth to anything that is not of you in Jesus' name. Let this be your words and your time, God, as we read through your word. We give it to you wholly and completely. We claim and we, we, we just profess that you are the authority in this house because this is your house. Do what you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to look at two stories this morning. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. It says this. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Okay, so we'll stop right there, right off the bat. And let's talk about Matthew. As Jesus sees him at this tax collector's booth, I want to read what one commentary says about Matthew being a tax collector. It says, when a Jew, which Matthew was, entered the custom service, he was regarded as an outcast from society. He was disqualified as a judge or a witness in a court session, was excommunicated from the synagogue, and in the eyes of the community, his disgrace extended to his family. Okay, so it wasn't just that Matthew was a tax collector. He was a notorious sinner in the eyes of the Jews, all right? They saw him as a traitor, they saw him as a thief, and they hated Matthew and other Jewish tax collectors the same, if not more, than the Roman government who was taking their money to begin with. So this was Matthew's lot in life. He was basically socially homeless, all right? The Romans used him, and the Jews hated him, but he had no one truly in his life except for those who were like him in terms of being a Jewish tax collector. Not a great place to be in life, right? And so here we look at this notorious sinner. This person that when people looked at him, they could, they could point at him and say, you're bad, you're wrong, you do this, you do that. And I wonder if we just pause, and please don't say any names here, but if we can think about people, maybe in the public eye, maybe that we see on the news, that we would point our finger at and say, that's a notorious sinner right there. Right? We going there? No, we're not going there, all right? We could go there, but we're not going to go there. But I think we, we all know who I'm talking about, right? And it could be different for certain people. Like, oh, you say that, I say this. I say, oh, sure, 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 right? Where'd Jesus go? I don't know. He just left the building, right? But we can all think and, and identify from our perspective, who notorious sinners are 
in this world. And I wonder, I wonder how we see them versus how when it says here in Matthew 9, when it says Jesus saw a man named Matthew. What is the difference there? Because I believe when we see those people, we get judgmental, we get angry, all sorts of different emotions come up. But when Jesus saw Matthew, just like the people that we're thinking about now, when he saw Matthew, he didn't get angry. He extended an invitation. Okay, so he did see this notorious sinner. He saw the hurt and the loneliness and the brokenness of this guy. But what else he saw was a future disciple, was someone that was going to write the gospel of Matthew that we literally are right now talking about. He saw someone that he wanted to have dinner with. That is who he saw. Church, we need to start seeing people like Jesus and stop getting up in arms about all this and that and maybe just extend an invitation. Maybe that's how they turn into a disciple of Jesus. Not by us posting nonstop nonsense on social media. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. It's nonsense. Don't do it. Jesus saw Matthew. He saw him. And then he says this in the same verse. Follow me, he told him. And this is what Matthew does. It says Matthew got up. And he followed him. Sit. Doesn't sound too complicated, right? Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew follows him. A notorious sinner. Someone who was broken. Probably ashamed. I'm sure his family, based off what we read in the commentary, has dismissed him as well. And Jesus says, follow me. He says, I'm going. I'm going. It's not complicated, y'all. But boy, do we like to complicate it. In verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Right? I, I love how this dinner must have looked. And in my opinion, this is a great picture of the church and what we're supposed to look like. Right? We have Jesus at the head of the table, right? the Son of God, sitting at the table. And then there's this group of disciples who all look different too. Some are fishermen, some are a doctor, you know, we have all these different trades at the table, but they're all disciples together. And so this, this is a group of people who have been following Jesus and maybe know a little bit more than the average person, but still very much a work in progress. But they're, they're committed. They're following Jesus. They've made that decision. And then there's this other group at the table, these notorious sinners who have been invited to sit at the table with Jesus and they're all having dinner together. So you have Jesus at the head, you have those disciples that are following him, and then you have these new believers. That's the church. I love that. That's what we're supposed to look like, right? Not be scared off by new believers, and new believers not be scared off by the disciples or whatever, and also all of us remembering that there's only one seat at the head of the table, and that's Jesus. So that's what this dinner is looking like, this variety. But then there's more to it than that. In verse 11, it says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Here's what, here's what's so 
both frustrating and interesting about this. If these Pharisees or a Pharisee had looked at this table and said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can I sit down? Jesus would have said, pull up a chair, man. Have a seat. There's more. There's room. We can make, guys, scoot over, scoot down. We got a Pharisee that wants to sit down, make room. But they don't say that. They sit in their judgment over these sinners. And that's exactly what they do is cast judgment over all of them. And I find it really, really, really interesting here that it's the sinners, not the Pharisees, who are the ones who are able to sit with Jesus and have dinner. Because the sinners, quote unquote, because they all are, understand that though they're not comfortable in their sin, they see a Savior who can handle their sin fully and completely. So they are at ease to pull up a chair and sit down with Jesus because Jesus in their eyes and in their heart is enough. So yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I have these mistakes. Yes, I have all this stuff. But I also have a Savior who is saying, sit with me and I'm going to do it. Now, here's the catch. When we start making it about all this works and all this stuff, we become the people that are outside the table looking in on it, not comfortable enough to sit down. You see the irony there? So there's this whole group of Pharisees watching this dinner and they can't even sit down and eat with Jesus because they've been so consumed with works in their life. Goes on to say in verse 13, but go, this is what Jesus says to them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Hosea says it in the Old Testament. Jesus says it twice in the New Testament. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What that means is Jesus is saying, I desire to show you mercy, not you offer me sacrifices. We see the evidence of the truth of that in the cross. Because if that wasn't true, then we would still be living Old Testament lives. We would still be offering sacrifices all the time, trying to atone for our sin. But instead, Jesus desires mercy. And so God sent Jesus to die for us so that he could freely show us mercy. And that these sacrifices that we try and make and we try and busy ourselves with and that lead us off the path of following him are over. That's why he can go to Matthew and say, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew, as a notorious sinner, can say, okay, because Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. That is what it is about. And so when we come to the table and we approach this meal with Jesus, it's about receiving the work that he's already done. He's not looking for us to do the work, y'all. But I'm telling you, there's many of us in here, myself included, who get so wrapped up in the work of Jesus that we forget to ever sit at the table. I'll be real honest with y'all. One of the hardest things about being a pastor of a church, at least this is what I found for myself. One of the hardest things about being a pastor of the church is not making my quiet time about the church. Where I sit there and I read, oh, that would be so good. That's a word right there. Oh, I don't appreciate that. I mean, I have to remind, I mean, seriously, all the time. Wait, wait, I'm your son first. God, help me to make this about me and you right now. Help me to make this relational. 
Because if all I ever do is make my time with the Lord about y'all, I'm not going to have anything to offer. Like, y'all are going to be like, I've heard that before. It's not about the sacrifices that we bring him for. It's about the mercy that he shows us and us being able to sit at the table and receive as a notorious sinner like we all are. Amen? All right, I want to look at one more story this morning that, that, that even shows this better. It's out of Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Starting in verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. All right, so here's Martha. She has invited Jesus into her home. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Martha has invited Jesus into her home. And the reason that I want to emphasize that point is because it's not enough for us to just invite Jesus into our home. As much as I love the, as for me and my family, we serve the Lord like doormats or whatever that hang on, like that's great, but that's not enough. Because Martha invites Jesus into her home and then she misses the entire point after that. We talked last week about inviting Jesus into our home over and over again, about how we pray with our kids, how we, how we say the name of Jesus in our home, and that just making Jesus part of our household. But it's not just enough about opening the door and letting him in. There's more to it than that. Martha opens the door to her home for Jesus. And in verse 39, it says, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. There it is. That's what it's about. So Martha invites him in, and Mary sits at his feet. And this is really the whole crux of this morning, y'all. For, I don't know how many of us, but it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot of us have forgotten. We have forgotten to sit at Jesus' feet. Some of us have even forgotten how to do that. I did this morning. I was in here praying, and I was like, Lord, how am I supposed to preach on this? I can't go two minutes. I really can't even go two minutes. What am I supposed to do? I was like, remember, it's about the glory. Thank, thank the Lord for worship, I'm telling you. Thank the Lord for worship, ushering that in, and us being able to just remember who he is and to sit at his feet. But there are many of us in here who have not done that in a really long time. We've invited Jesus into the house, but we're a whole lot more like Martha than we are Mary. You know, there's a, there's a phrase that talks about this that I don't know when it came about, but it's been in the last few years in our society called being present. Y'all heard that? Being present? Like how, how ridiculous is the world that we live in now that we actually have a phrase says being present, right? What does being present mean? It means being present, all right? And if you want to know the real difference of, of being present now versus like why we didn't have that phrase even like 10 or 15 years ago, there, there's, um, you can go online and look. There's pictures of Tiger Woods like playing the Masters like 15 years ago. And he's on, the, he's on a tee box and he's hitting a drive. And all the gallery that's, that is engulfing him, right, is just watching in awe the ball in the air. Like everyone's looking up, jaw down, they're being present. Today, the picture of Tiger Woods seeing off on the tee box is not everyone looking up, jaw drowned. It's their phones like this, staring, you know, taking a picture, videoing, not even paying attention to the flight of the ball. 
because they're too busy about what they're doing to enjoy the moment that they're in. And we do that. Robert Harcell, our elder who spoke two weeks ago, talked about serving in the church and being an idol. And it very much can be where we start to be so consumed with what we have to do, even in the church, that we never sit at Jesus' feet. That's one thing I love about our worship team. When they're not on stage, we implore them and encourage them, be out there because you're not going to be as good up here unless you're out there. And that goes for all of us in whatever position we serve in the church. If we're not taking time to receive from Jesus, to sit at his feet and just marvel at who he is, we will be so busy that we forget all about him. Even when we've invited him into our home. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted. With Jesus in the room, she was distracted. And listen, we walk a very fine line. This is not a sermon on being lazy. Right? This is not a sermon about not working hard. But it is a reminder of putting things in order in our life. And understanding that Jesus does not need you to do a thing. Okay? He does not need any of us to do anything. He allows us to take part in what he is doing. He could be on this stage and I could be out there and I'm pretty sure Jesus would give a better sermon than me. He doesn't need me, y'all. He doesn't need Ben to lead worship. He doesn't need any of the greeters in the back. He doesn't need us. He wants us. But he doesn't want us distracted. He wants us at his feet. Martha was distracted. And then she says this. She came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is why, this is why mercy, not sacrifice, works. And sacrifice, not mercy, doesn't work. Because if Jesus desired sacrifice, not mercy over us, we would all sound like Martha. Jesus, she's not helping me. I'm doing all the work. I'm doing everything. Fix them. Change them. I'm doing all the sacrifice. That's how we would all sound. And that's how we all sound sometimes anyway. We're being real with each other. I do all this and I do all that, Jesus. Oh, fix them. Tell them to help me. Meanwhile, they're just enjoying the day, sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary probably didn't even hear it all, you know. She's what you probably call the younger sibling, right? I think that was a reaction by the older siblings right there, by the way. Preach! We are called, y'all, before anything else to sit at Jesus' feet. We are called to bask in his glory. We're going to take a few minutes now as we end with worship and communion as the band can come on up. To do just that. And I want to read the, uh, the last couple of verses of this story. This is what Jesus says to Martha 
He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Hear the tone of Jesus' voice here? Martha, Martha, you're doing it all wrong. You're distracted by all these things that you think I, I came in because I, I want the vacuum to be rug or the rug to be vacuumed? Because there was a dirty dish in the sink? Like, I'm here. Why do you what do you care about that for? I'm in your house. And you're cleaning the kitchen? I'm in the house. And you're worried about the lighting? What the AC is set on? And if there's a stain on the carpet? Seriously? So there's one thing, one thing that is needed. This is what David says about that one thing in Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze, y'all, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Does that sound like work to you? David's saying, I just want to be in your house and I just want to look upon your face. I just want to sit at your feet. I just want to sit at your feet. Jesus tells this story. I'm going to briefly read through it. Luke 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Here's what the, this rich young ruler is saying. He's saying, I've made all the sacrifices. I've made them all, and yet I'm not fulfilled. Why? Because he got it out of order. Jesus says, when he heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. It's really hard to follow Jesus if we are consumed with the burden of sacrifice and we don't sit at his feet. Matthew was a notorious sinner, y'all. A notorious sinner. And Jesus saw him and he says, follow me. And Matthew got up and he followed him. It's that simple. He said, I want to go have dinner with him. I want to sit at his feet. But let me go make sure I do all this other stuff first. No, 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 no. Because Matthew saw his Savior in front of him and he yearned, he desired for that mercy. In that moment, he didn't care about the sacrifice. You know what? Jesus didn't either. Because if Jesus wanted sacrifice, he wouldn't have gone to some notorious sinner. He would have gone to the Pharisees. But they couldn't even sit at the table. So I want to ask you a question as we wrap up this morning. And be honest with yourselves. Whether you're new this morning or you've been coming to church for a while, be real honest. When was the last time you truly sat at Jesus' feet? When was the last time that you took a moment or even moments to just gaze upon the beauty 
of our wonderful Savior. He said, I'm not going to worry. I'm even going to put this thing away. I might even turn it off. And I'm just going to release this burden that you've put on me. And I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that you are God. When was the last time you did that with Jesus? And you just gave him the time. Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. And he proved it, y'all. He proved it on the cross. He did not come to this earth to give us work. He came to this earth to die, to give us mercy. And then here's the amazing thing. As we seek his mercy and we sit at his feet, then he equips us for the work that he calls us to do. And then we're like, let's go. Let's work for Jesus. I just spent some time at his feet and I'm ready. But if we're absent of his feet and we try and do the work, we get stressed out, we get worried, we start thinking it's all about us. Let me go, wait a second. I'm sat at his feet. So let's stand up and let's pray as we receive communion this morning, remembering remembering what Jesus did for us. And I just want to say this again. This is your first time coming to church or you've been coming a little while and you've been that person that feels like Matthew but can't follow Jesus because you're so consumed with the sacrifice. You're so consumed with trying to do things for Jesus that you never actually spend time with Jesus, that you never actually sit at Jesus' feet, that you never actually are comfortable to sit at his table because you're only consumed with what you can give to him and you haven't received what he's freely given you. This is your moment. This is the time right now. Be like Matthew. Forget about what you did. Jesus is saying, follow me. I want to show you mercy in your life that you've never experienced before. And get out from behind the table and take that step and follow him. He's calling you. And what he's calling you to, you will never, ever be able to dream up in your wildest imagination. He wants to set you free. And for those of us in here who have received Jesus, and maybe we've lost our way, we've instead followed our own path and our own doings, and we've forgotten to sat at his feet. Here's your time. This is our time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your patience in our life. Lord, we invite you into our homes and then we get distracted and we, we try to serve you. We try and do things that please you, Lord, but all we end up doing is trying and trying and trying out of our own abilities, Father, out of our own strength. And in that, Lord, I believe there's many of us in here who are totally exhausted, who are totally frustrated, and maybe even lost. And you're calling us back to your feet. You're calling us back to sit at a table with you. Lord, right now we just repent and we say we're sorry that we've gotten it backwards and we've offered sacrifices without ever receiving mercy. And we haven't been gazing on the beauty of our Lord. We've been too preoccupied with what we're doing. Father, right now I pray in Jesus' name that you would return all of us to our first love. Bring us back, God, to that moment where we first received you as our Savior and it was us and you and nothing else mattered. God, bring us back in Jesus' name. 
Father, we thank you that when we read the words, you desire mercy, not sacrifice. We know that it's true because you proved it on the cross. You bore our sin and our shame and you took it so that we could have right relationship with you. So God, right now we remember the truth of the gospel that you are our savior and that through you, Lord, we have relationship with you. We have a place in heaven with you and we can meet with you right here because you died on the cross for our sins. Your body was broken and beaten and literally nailed to a piece of wood. You hung there and you suffocated God. Your side was pierced. You died for us, a brutal death. We take this bread right now, Father, in remembrance of your sacrifice for us so that you can show us mercy. Let's take the bread. they don't run out. That we can come and sit at your feet every single day. It doesn't matter what we bring with us, Lord, because your mercies are new every morning. And Father, I know there's some of us in here that need to just sit at your feet and be washed clean. And as we take this cup, Lord, we do so remembering that it's your blood. It's your blood that makes us clean. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father wash us clean. Or for those that are here and just need that, that need that washing, that feel like Matthew, a notorious sinner, God. Wash them clean this morning in Jesus' name by your perfect blood that was spilled for us. Let's take the cup. If that's you this morning, if you need to return to that first love, this is your moment. The altar's open. You can come kneel. You just want to sit in your seat. But I would encourage you, look at your schedules and find that time. Be practical about this. Make time to sit at Jesus' feet every single day. Don't make it about what you have to do for him. Make it about who he is and who you are to him. Let's worship him.